welcome back, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Change Your Mindset podcast. I'm your guest host, Kate Colbert, president of Silver Tree Publishing, and I'm here with Peter Margaritas, who is sitting on the opposite side of the table from where he normally sits during these podcast episodes, because today he's our guest. So Peter, how does it feel to be on the other side of the desk? Oh, it's, it, it feels okay. It's, it's a little different. It's a little different, but I, know, but I know I'm in good hands. You're in very good hands. It won't hurt much. <laughs> All right. So we're here for a very, very special purpose today. This is a very special episode to be celebrating and talking about the release of your new book, um, Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv by Peter Margaritas. So yes, check out that beautiful book. Mine's already full of tape flags and fun stuff, but check out that beautiful book if you're watching on on YouTube. Um, We're holding up a beautiful copy for you to see. So we're here to talk about the book so that listeners of the podcast um, know what it's all about, know who it's for, know whether to pick up a copy for themselves and maybe one of their colleagues, their boss, the people on their team, friends, et cetera. Um, And so let's go ahead and get right to it. I've got some questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me with them. All right. I'm going to hit you. So let's talk just a little bit about the backstory and sort of the why behind the book. Uh, Writing a book is really hard work. (laughs) Um, It's a generous gift. Um, Writing a book is really, it really is a gift of your time and your insights um, and your investment to your readers. Um, So tell me a little bit about why you wanted to provide the lessons of off script to the world. How did you know that leaders needed this book? Well, it came about after the first book, Improv is No Joke, used improvisation to create better results in leadership in life. A lot of people said they really liked it, but it needed more of a business flair to it. And you hear from one person, that's fine. You hear from another person, that's fine. You hear from your brother-in-law, Clyde. Okay, now you got <laughs> now, now you got to take a really hard lesson. And, and but before I, I wanted to start writing this book, I wanted to do more research. And over a, a three to four year period of time, I curated 40, 50, 60 different articles that may not have the word improvisation in it or business improvisation, but related to it. So I started gathering that, gathering YouTube videos, reading other books and stuff on, on the topic. And there's not that many books out there as it relates to business improvisation. I, I thought I had enough information, enough research, and enough of my own experiences to, to sit down and during the pandemic one day. I said that was on my to-do list. I want to start writing this book. And um, it was in August of 2020. And I just sat down and just started writing. And, and just that was the preface of me doing this incredible journey. It, and and it, this book, somebody said, when you get to your third book, it's going to take a whole different flavor. This, the first book was fun. The second book was fun. This was a blast. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I just smiled every day, even through the rough part of this book. And, and Kate, it's not sitting down writing the book. It's going through that process of editing. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. I, I was excited through the whole thing. Okay, maybe the last couple of days I couldn't read it again. The last couple of days. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, anybody who has done a really good job um, writing, editing and publishing a book knows that there is a there is this sort of gap in the trajectory of your book where you don't ever want to read it again because you've read it so many times and you've revised it so many times. And um, but that, you know, that says a lot about 
you, Peter, about your commitment to your readers that, that you know, good enough was not good enough, um, that, you know, we kept working on how do we make it stronger? How do we add another really great story? How do we make this even more practical and more relevant? Um, so I think that that sort of love and compassion you have in life that I've seen you demonstrate from stages to, you know, handshakes at cocktail parties. And I think that really comes through in your book as well is this commitment to um, your readers, which I, which I really love. So let's talk about what the book is really about. So tell me, what does it mean to go off script or what does it, and what does it not mean? So I think a lot of people um, will see the book cover and say off script, you know, and know that this is for business people and they're going to have a sense maybe of what it means for a leader to go off script. Tell us whether or not that sense is right and tell us what that really means. Off script is about, well, it came to me by some research about Martin Luther King, who improvised the I Have the Dream speech. And, and through this research, I, there's a, a Ohio retired Ohio judge, Patricia Blockman, who has done the I Have the Dream speech, renditions of it. And, and I was put in contact with her. And as we're discussing some of the nuances of his speech, she asked me, Pete, have you ever been to a, a black church? I said, I have not, but I've always wanted to. She goes, well, the reverend, the minister wants the audience to participate in this conversation, which is very different than the Catholics and the Greeks. They want us to sit there and be quiet. Yeah. Uh, so if, if that minister, the preacher is not reaching that audience, as she said, it, they'll go off script to find a way to connect with them. Now, Martin Luther King prepared meticulously his sermons. But he had a couple instances where he went off script. And one, he improvised a, a speech a few days after uh, Rosa Parks was arrested, but it wouldn't give up her seat on, on the bus. And he had only 20 minutes to prepare. And he was very uncomfortable with it. But he realized that he was speaking from the heart. And, and the audience was really gravitating towards that. And he was getting a better response. And he said that was probably one of his best presentations, best speeches he had ever given, which was completely improvised. And the, the other one that, that the research is the I had the dream speech. So this is a part of this myth buster, which was one of the things I, <laughs> I wanted to take care of first part of this book, because people think we just wing it, we make it up, we pull it out of the air. That's just the opposite, because in improv, we over prepare. We, we completely over-prepare for that meeting, that speech, that presentation. However, as I tell people, when I walk into the room to do a, to do a presentation, I take that script, I wad it up and throw it away. Mm -hmm. I know what I want to say, but I also want to connect with that audience. And I want to go on this journey with them. And if they need to go left, go right, go up, go down, I'm able to do that and be and not tied to that script. This is never a lecture. This is a conversation. And that's the way I, I view it. And going off script is not making stuff up. Going off script is just being completely overprepared and willing to adapt to what your audience is telling you through their body language, through their questions, through their comments. It's one of the things I think that so for your listeners who don't know who I am, um, so I'm also a speaker and an author and a consultant. And one of the things I really enjoyed 
most about this book that really sort of, and I was able to apply the lessons of this book while we were editing it to my own speaking engagements and my own conversations with, um, with key stakeholders, was I feel like that at this stage in my career, and I'm, you know, like thinking about retirement, so I'm, I'm not a newbie. Um, at this stage in my career, I felt like I had been taught to prepare really well for presentations, for, for conversations. So if you're bringing an employee in to have a, you know, to talk about the performance review or what have you, all these sort of critical communications moments um, in our lives. And, and as a communications consultant, I'd like to think I'm really well prepared for these types of things. And with a big aha for me when I started reading your book, Peter, was that that most of our training as leaders and most of our experience as leaders only takes us maybe about two thirds of the way there. We, if we're, we're good leaders, we think we're prepared. We have all the data we need. We have all of the backstory on the audience. We've, you know, we've written a great script. We've got some notes. We've maybe got some slides. Um, if we're having an important conversation with an employee, we've got last year's performance review that we've just reviewed. We feel ready for the conversation, but we've maybe not practiced, which was, I think, a really important part of the book that I really loved is hearing you talk about, you know, if you're show up early, actually say some of these words out loud, say them all out loud, pace around the room, get a sense of the room, even if it's just an office or a conference table, mm -hmm. and then be so dang confident about what you're trying to achieve and who's going to be sitting in front of you and what you're hoping to talk about that you're willing to make that shift, um, to make those shifts in the moment. Um, and, and for me, that was a big aha when I read your book, because I'm usually very, very prepared in terms of like, I know exactly what I'm going to say. But in my career, I could tell you a million stories about times I've been derailed where I knew I wanted to say X, Y, and Z. And, and before I could even get to it, you know, some sort of rabble rouser in the front row raises their hand and it's, you know, it's usually your boss or the boss's mm -hmm. boss, the president, whoever, you know, and they're like, but what about, right? And they throw up an, an objection and you're not prepared and you want to do that horrible thing where you just like go deer in the headlights mm -hmm. and then you just go back to your script or you go back to, which is the worst thing you can do right. is to basically say to your audience, I don't hear you or I don't know, or I don't want to answer your question. So I'm going to just ignore it and say what I was going to say, even if you hadn't asked that question, asked that oh, question. Yeah. So that for me, and for me, it has released, your book has helped me release a lot of stress um, because I sure. find now that if I'm really, really prepared and, um, you know, you talk a lot of in the book about that you know, there is no such, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect presentation. Like they're perfectly imperfect, just like human mm -hmm. beings are, right? We're perfectly imperfect. And if we are going into it sort of excited and open-minded and welcoming that 30% of this might be different from the way we're prepared or 50% or 80% or all of it might be different. And you're not emotionally beholden to what you thought you were going to say, suddenly opportunity um, really, really opens up. So, so this book has already made me a better speaker and I had a chance to use the lessons of the book to prepare for a keynote. Um, so, so that was really, really fun. So let's talk about um, sort of leaders like me, people who are going to be reading your book. You know, tell me a little bit about, actually, let me sort of set this up for, for uh, your listeners right now. So most of us were trained to believe that leaders are very much in control, right? We use words about sort of, you know, executive presence and professionalism and sort of, you know, this sort of class and, you know, sort of savviness. 
And so I think a lot of us have been led to believe that leaders, they can, they're in control, right? They're at the top of the, the org chart. They control the narrative. They're ensuring ideal outcomes through all these verbs, right? They script the conversations. They manage the problems. They predict the future and they win, right? Um, and so it's all about them being in control. Um, but in your book, you teach us that that's maybe what good leaders do, but what better leaders do is something a little bit different. What is it that better leaders do? Uh, it's not about me as the leader. It's, it's not about you as the leader. It's about the people you lead. And that shift in mindset, that empathy, being vulnerable, being collaborative, all of these pieces are the exact opposite of what I like <laughs> to call ego leadership. When, when we have ego leadership, we have leaders who think they're the smartest person in the room. As I write, just ask them because they'll be the first ones to tell you. <laughs> they could also be what I like to call ask holes. That was ask holes because they'll get a, 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 put a meeting together and want people's ideas. But they've already got the solution and not taking anything into consideration. And they're just asking them, for, but not using it. And because they have to be right. They cannot be wrong. When in fact, you're human, you are wrong, you make mistakes, and the ability to own up to those mistakes is huge in the eyes of the people you lead. I was just listening to a podcast uh, before uh, we started, and it's uh, All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. He was interviewing the CEO of WD-40. He said almost these exact same words. As I'm listening to this interview, I'm going, <laughs> that's my book. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's all the same principles about being collaborative, about, you know, treating your people well, because I'm a big proponent of we're the business that we all are in is the people business. Yeah. Everything else is second. And that's what improv yeah. is about. It's about we're in the people business. Take care of your people. Treat yeah. them with respect. Trust them support them and they'll do great things for you but don't be punitive to them don't yeah. be as i think uh jeff asked uh, his name is escaping the ceo of wd-40 why are some leaders just mean to people mm. and he went back to the whole ego leadership thing yeah just do the opposite yeah well that you know so that concept around humility and compassion and empathy um, is a really strong theme in your book, Offscript. And it's one of the things I really enjoyed most about the book. And I think a lot of readers really will, because I think while your book is very practical, it walks us through sort of seven foundations of improvisation. And I'll have you talk about that in a minute and it teaches us these skills that we can learn and practice and master and put into use and work at work tomorrow. It also, I felt very seen in reading your book. There is your, the voice you bring to it, your own stories um, and the sort of the humanity of the book. And, and, and frankly, one of my favorite concepts um, that you talk about in the book, and I'd like you to talk about it um, for us now, is, is the concept of yes and, which for me, I think is really all about humanity, is really all about seeing somebody else. So, so go ahead and tell our listeners um, and, uh, and, and remind me, the communications <laughs> expert who sometimes gets it wrong, what does it mean to lead with a yes and mindset when we're communicating? Well, yes and is yes, I hear what you're saying. And 
let me add something to that, but add something positive to that or add, ask a positive question. So being, being an accountant, I hear the, the, the funny is, you know, the CFOs of companies, they've been redubbed with this nickname, the CF, no. Mm, yep. Uh, so the, the more that we can say yes, that I hear you and add something positive to it, moves conversations forward. It, it also allows us to practice psychological safety which is yes that might be a crazy idea or yes that's a you know that's that's a little bit different thought and it's not punitive but i'm glad you shared that with me that you have this voice and i'm allowing i i want to hear what you have to say i might not always agree with it but i'm not going to challenge you i, I may challenge you but I'm, I'm not going to dismiss it i'm going to yeah. accept it and, and, and have the, the team be able to share their values, share their ideas, share their thoughts, no matter how crazy the rest of us might think. I mean, you can imagine my time in corporate America, I got <laughs> shot down a lot because I had, oh, yeah. here he goes again. There's crazy Pete and his ideas. Yeah. yeah. After a while, I quit giving my ideas. And, you know, everybody's creative. And the one key to being creative is having ideas and, and accepting those ideas. So yes, and is, is now, no is, no is acceptable in the workplace. I just want to limit the amount of times yeah. we say no because or yes, but. Yeah, and it, it, what's interesting about this concept, Peter, is I find that that this yes and concept, it's a muscle that we have to build. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit hard at first. And I'm, I've been trying to use it a lot. I did not realize until I edited your book and started trying to put the practices of your book into practice in my own life and career, how often I use the word, but I use the word, but, mm -hmm. right. And so, you know, as a scholar and an intellect and somebody who loves to talk, I sometimes do like to be the smartest person in the room, or I do let my ego sort of come to that surface. And I have a tendency to basically, you know, say, you know, yeah, but, <laughs> or mm -hmm. no, because, and here's why, right. um, and here are my sources. Let me cite them. Um, you know, I'm a social media rabble rouser. So I'm one of those people who, you know, likes to tell you how you're wrong. And I have found it fascinating. Um, what I love about yes. And is that it, it fixes a lot of problems is what I'm finding. Mm -hmm. Um, so not only does it open the door, um, allows for creative ideation, allows for people to feel safe, as oh. you said, to be able to share their ideas. Um, it also sometimes prevents arguments. It can um, diffuse situations. And I think it's disarming. So I, I love it for that reason. So if somebody sort of comes at you with an objection and you get a pick up, the, the phone gets picked up and it's, you know, it's an angry client or somebody who, you know, that whole yes, you know, yes, I, I, hear, I hear, you. hear you. I hear you. I understand what you're saying. And here's my perspective. And here's how we might think about it. And also, right, but instead of but, and, and it's so natural for some of us to say but, or for some mm -hmm. of us to say no. And I do think that just the switch of these tiny little words, it changes the tone of the conversation. It changes the energy in the room. Um, and I love the stories um, in your book that give examples of how to do this. Um, so let's talk a little bit about those stories. So 
some of your listeners, you know, may know um, that you have a background uh, in improv and sort of long before you were using improv in the workplace, you were, you know, using improv on the stage as a performer and a participant in improv troops and that you've um, studied with the Second City and others. Tell me a little bit about when and how did you realize that what you were doing, quote unquote, for fun was applicable to your role as a business leader? It was kind of early on. I was back in the the late 90s. I was doing some stand-up and clearly I was not that good. I'm sitting here talking to you and writing <laughs> books and stuff. I'm not touring the country like the, 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 the greats do. But a friend of mine said, I think you might like an improv workshop. And he was one of the, he was one of the comedians. So I went to this workshop and I'm going to myself, I don't understand what's going on here. I thought we we're going to be writing material and stuff. They're playing these goofy goofy games and exercises <laughs> stuff. I'm like, I, yeah. So I was about to call it, you know, like I'm never coming back to this again. And the instructor said, okay, guys, next week I want you to study the 70s. For those of you who lived in the 70s, you might want to study it because you probably don't remember it if you had that good of a time. And I went, <laughs> oh, that's what it is. There was some homework I had to do. So I came in the next week and come to find out I did the homework and I was fine. Those who didn't really kind of sucked. And I went, okay, there's mm. something to this. But it wasn't until I was, I was at a Second City workshop and it was this called Two Lines. There's two people up there and this one guy looks at me and says, hey, what a great day to be fishing. And I looked back at him and said, we aren't fishing. We'll ride a horse in the Kentucky Derby. And the uh, instructor said, Pete, stop. You just negated him. I did what? You just you just said no to him. Try it again. And the guy looks at me and says, hey, what a great day to be fishing. We're not fishing. We're sitting by the pool bagging some rays. And then such said, stop. You negated him again. Won't you take a break? And as I'm watching them go through these processes, well, wait a minute. There's something here. I didn't. There's something yeah. here. There's something here bigger than what I, I, I think it is. And it was just through a series of taking these workshops and, and, and learning more about it that I had that aha moment. Like, this is leadership. Holy cow. This is all about leadership. And that, that light just went. And I, 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 I fell in love. And I've been, I've been, I've been chasing, I've been studying, I've been chasing. I, 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 uh, the guy who wrote the, the, the preface, uh, Jay Suko is my, improv coach we meet monthly i think we're going on two to three years and we just talk improv and how it can work in business and how it can work in life and different aspects of it and it's just i, I can't get enough of it I, i'm i could talk for hours on this subject wow i love it and speaking of jay i mean truly some true legends um involved in the in the publishing of off script so the preface of of the book was written by jay suko and uh and then the um Forward was written by Jeffrey Hazlett. So really great people involved in this book, um, which was made it all the more exciting to work on. So let's talk about a couple of other things that um, your listeners may be um, interested in, in knowing. So this is your third book. Um, yes. How is this book different from your others? Thicker. <laughs> it's thicker. It is. It's, it's, it's substantially thicker. It costs more to ship unless you have Amazon Prime. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. yes. It, it, it does. And, and I didn't really realize I had that much to say about the subject. This, this book, my 
it's come to my attention that basically everything I talk about, everything I believe in, all resonates around improv. And I agree with that 2000%. Writing the book, taking the numb out of numbers, that was, that was the intent of that was to change the narrative of having those who deal in the financial world, accountants, financial uh, executives, to stop talking finance, stop talking the language of accounting, because not a lot of people understand that, and start speaking in plain English. I had a friend, I had a friend contact me last night, and, and she was in tears. I'm like, what's the matter? I just got off the phone with my accountant. And I, I keep telling them, I don't understand, but they keep going at this fast pace. They, they threw a spreadsheet up and they're all over the place. And I'm just got so frustrated. I wanted, I wanted to throw up. Wow. That's not something that you want your client to feel. Yeah. And, but then part of that also involves improv. It's, it's, uh, it's seeing that your client has that deer in the headlights or the body language is just, and go, wait a minute, I, I need to, I need to adjust something here. Yeah. I, I need to figure out what's wrong, but they don't. And I'm, that's part of my crusade of with the, with improv as a leadership piece, as well as understanding your audience and adapting to what they need, not what you think they need. Yeah. And one of the things I really, I mean, I feel like, I think this is the case for a lot of authors who are sort of multi-published authors who have multiple books out there is that often, you know, book number one or book number two might be for a very niche audience. So your, your second book, uh, taking the numb out of numbers, you know, is, it's applicable to anyone, but definitely really speaks to people who present technical information and financial information. And what I really love is that, that off script, sort of goes up a level and sort of zooms out to be able to welcome all leaders. So fledgling leaders who are in their first sort of management position, maybe they're a manager, senior manager, director at a company, or they're starting their own business and they're trying to learn how to have meaningful conversations with their employees and their vendors and their clients, and their customers or people at the C-suite um, who have gotten to a place where their ego has gotten so big, it's getting in the way mm -hmm. and they need to figure out how do we generate better ideas and better results. Um, and the stories, by the way, in your book about how to use these sort of ideation tools and improv techniques to be able to surface ways to save hundreds of thousands of dollars or, you know, um, or to create, to make money. Um, so it was really, really fascinating. And so I really love about this book is that it's very welcoming of all leaders. I'll be recommending it to, to people working on their MBA, um, to people at the director level, to people in the C-suite. Um, I think that it's applicable to all of us. Um, and regardless of industry that you're in, this is a great book, um, whether you work in a Fortune 500 company or a nonprofit or a university, all of these concepts of um, how to communicate better by using improv techniques are applicable for all of us. Um, let's step back for a second. Um, tell me a little bit about these sort of, in your book, you talk about these seven foundations. So rattle them off for, for our listeners, because I think it'll help them understand what this book is really all about. Before I do that, I do want to say something about this book. If you purchase this book and you're a leader, have an open mind. If you're in a, if you're in this ego leadership mindset and you pick up this book, open your mind. But if if you don't, then and I look forward to the criticism because this book is not made for everybody. Uh, I, I firmly believe uh, what I've written and, and the philosophies behind it, and I know some people won't agree with me, and that's okay. 
I'm perfectly fine with it. But if you can just come into it with an open mind and reflect just that little bit, you might understand what I'm trying to trying to say. And, and those seven foundations are respect, trust, support, listen, focus, or another way of saying it, being present. And at the top of this triangle, top of this pyramid is adapt, all the while maintaining that yes and mindset. It's a really great way not just to lead, but to live. I mean, honestly, I think if we took the principles of your book and we use them for how we communicate with spouses and children and you know, parents and mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, I think it um, could really, really improve our um, relationships just in general. And, and that's, I think, very, very powerful to think about. If we stop having such a strict agenda, if we stopped having a script for everything we step into and be willing to sort of go off script um, in our relationships, I think that that can be incredibly powerful too. So let me, let me just talk yeah. about the, these, these real quick. Respect. Yeah. You don't have to like the person, mm -hmm. but you should have respect for them. Okay? You're not going to like everybody on your team. You should have respect for them. And you want to call a situation that neither side respects each other? The U.S. political system, period. Yep. It's my way or the highway. Trust. You have to be trustworthy as a leader, as well as the people that follow you should be trustworthy as well. You as a leader need to support your team. Support is everything from increasing their learning and development, pushing them, stretching them, challenging them, but support them. The superpower here is the ability to listen. And that's listening to understand, not listening to respond. We live in a listening to respond environment where we're not paying attention to what the other person is saying because I have my agenda or they're going on too long and I just interrupt them right in the middle of what they're talking about. Listen to understand is parking your ego, parking your agenda, being 100% present, focused in the moment and trying to understand what this person is sharing with you and adding on to the conversation. And at the top of it, if we can do this and maintain that yes and mindset, we can adapt to anything out there. And I took the strengths finders test about two, three years ago. And my number one skill, my number one strength was adaptability. I wish I'd have taken that test about 10 years ago to see what that number one skill is or was. I don't know, but I know that the teachings of improv has made me a much more adaptable person than I've ever been. And it's driving my, my, my mother crazy. <laughs> it makes you a great client, by the way. Um, so, um, so having adaptable clients. So, you know, when, when we hit moments where we need to sort of change what we're doing or something's behind mm -hmm. schedule or, you know, somebody gets sick or, you know, I think that it helps you really sort of bring your best and to not get, you know, sort of wrapped up or tripped up when things change, which, which I think is really powerful. So let's talk about maybe one of the really sort of obvious questions that might people might be thinking about. So, you know, you wrote this book during a pandemic, you know, when we were all supposedly supposed to be like learning to bake sourdough bread or whatever <laughs> we were supposed to be doing when we were stuck at home. But most of us were really just trying to keep our businesses alive or, you know, make changes to be able to figure out how to homeschool our children and sort of, you know, sort of just stay alive and stay healthy. And, and you wrote a book. Um, so talk about sort of setting the bar. Tell me a little bit about what it was like to write a book during a pandemic and, or what was your favorite part about writing this book? So when the pandemic hit, I, I will be transparent and admit those first couple of days were pretty grim. 
and I'm sitting going, I saw about 85% of my 85-95% of my businesses dry right up. And then my improv instincts kicked in. And one of the one of the things mantras I would say every day is improvise the scene you're in, not the one you want to be in, which means be focused, it's focused on today. I can't do anything about yesterday. I can't, I can do a little bit towards tomorrow, but in the pandemic, every day was a new day. New yeah. things were happening. And, and, and so I would have to shed yesterday's old news, work with today, and keep that positive mindset of, and, and that get too far in front of, oh my God, what happens if this lasts 18 months? Well, it has, and we're still kind of dealing with it, but just doing the right things. And it, at first it gave me a chance to stop, rethink my business, redesign my business, and what do I want to accomplish? during this time that I have. One was uh, Jay Suko and I kind of beta tested a virtual improv workshop. People said it couldn't be done. It can be done. It was so <laughs> cool. Beta tested, I've been running it. I've got another session coming up here starting in uh, December one uh, for six weeks. But then I'm looking going, I've been I always wanting to write this book. And what I decided to do was I had a variety of different content that I could repurpose. I had a lot of different thoughts and ideas and I sketched out this outline and then I started writing it and I decided I'm going to curate it through the podcast. So then came these solo cast uh, twice a month uh, until I got to at the time 35,000 words. I'm not sure what we ended up with. It was a lot more than that, but that's okay. Yeah. 60 some, I think. <laughs> yeah. But, but that gave me the, 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 the foundation or the, the starting point for this book. So that went August to maybe May. No, actually, it was like April or something like that. And it was, I mean, I, I was having a blast with it. It's a topic that I love. It's a topic that, and I've learned now in the third book, there's some time. I'm, I'm not a journalism major. I'm not an English major. Just ask Kate and she'll be happy to tell you that. <laughs> Uh, but what I do know is I have the, I have the content in my head. I need to get it out, and I need it massaged. And this content was massaged a lot from from the start, posting the blogs through this process of writing the book. But this, like I said, this was a blast. I I, I I I'll say this out loud now, and and I, I and I even told you, Kate, I'm already thinking about number four. <laughs> and and I really I really would love it for those of you who are listening and those of you who do do buy the book and read it. If you've got a story to share, send it to me, peter at petermargaritas.com is my email. It's M-A-R-G-A-R-I-T-I-S. It's spelled like an inflammation, but pronounced like a cocktail, just so everybody <laughs> understands that. And I, I'd love to, to curate as many stories, business stories that you have to share and, and create this fourth book based on your stories, not just mine. And I think that also kind of validates my thought process here that this is a leadership tool. I, I, I hear it all the time, but we just don't call it business improvisation or business improv because that yeah. word improv makes it sound like it's comedy. Right. This is serious. But right. those but those who can improvise are funny. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the intent of this book. Well, they usually just have a good energy about them. And so that's, yeah. you know, so I think the same skills that make people funny on the stage are skills that keep people from, you know, 
being mean or being spiteful or shutting down conversations. And so they are very positive emotions that I think generate from the practice of things like yes and, which I, I really love. So I want to talk about the exercises in your book because you were just talking about for when people listen to this book, or read, read this book, um, they might end up having a lot of stories of their own that they can share with with you and others about how they've used these techniques in their own life. And many of them are probably going to use them at first with these exercises. Um, one of my favorite parts about the book is that this book has um, 16 different exercises that you can try out like in your team meeting at work. And some of them you can actually do by yourself. Um, and, but some of them you can do like if you're having like a you know, like a small team meeting or big team meetings and they're fun. And some of them are actually quite hilarious. And you can immediately see in the moment sort of the business applicability of the skills that people are practicing in these exercises in a really safe place. So so tell me a little bit about why the exercises are important and um, and would it be, you know, would it be a horrible thing for people to bounce around in the book and grab, you know, grab different exercises or, and just try them out at work right away, even if they haven't finished reading the book. Absolutely. Uh, and, and these exercises are, are meant for two things. One, they are fun. If, if you do it properly, they are fun. So there, there's one on creativity. Yes, and to solve a problem. Yep. And you're looking for ideas and you're not shutting it. You're using your divergent thinking, except it's about quantity, not quality, not shutting anybody down. But once we're done and, and once the laughter ends, then the aha moment occurs. So when I do these with a live audience, uh, I'm going to Hilton Head uh, to do uh, an off-script presentation to the Georgia Society of CPAs council meeting. An hour long, I've got three or four uh, exercises I want, to, I want to do with these guys. But they, they laugh, they have fun, and then they go, ah, yeah, I get it now. And that's, that when that light bulb goes off, it, it, it's, it's wonderful. It's, can they keep that in front of them? And, and I did it for a, a, a gentleman who was a partner in a, in a CPA firm here in Columbus, and actually it was in Dayton. He contacted me one day, this is like two or three years after he got this concept. And he says, Peter, I just want to share this with you. We were having a meeting and uh, we got stuck. And I remembered the yes and thing. Mm -hmm. And then we got unstuck. I, wow. thought you'd, I thought you'd want to know. I went, yeah, thank you. That might be the title for the fourth book, Unstuck. <laughs> there we go. I like that. You know me, always thinking like a marketer over here. Um, right. So so I think one of the things that when I think about how can people become improv leaders, how can people master the art of business improv to go off script, it seems like there is a really sort of logical sort of three-step formula. They should read the book. Mm -hmm. uh, so pick up a copy of Offscript, Mastering the Art of Business Improv and dig into it and scribble all over it. Um, if you've got the paperback or, um, you know, annotate it like crazy if you're reading the ebook, do the exercises um, mm -hmm. with your team and with others um, and, and for yourself. And then maybe even if you're ready for it, think about coaching. So, so I think most leaders, you know, if you read the book, do the exercises and then go even deeper about sort of um, your own, your own, own sort of skills and opportunities and your hangups, um, what you're great at, um, what you're struggling with and what you can do better through, through coaching, which I know is a service that you provide uh, as well. It seems like that's sort of a perfect formula for becoming 
the leader you've always wanted to be, the leader that we've, we're all sort of hoping it to become. So, so I think that you have done a really beautiful, uh, beautiful job of, uh, of setting us on the right course for this. So before we wrap up, tell me, is there anything else that as people are, you know, headed off to um, Amazon or to other book retailers and think about ordering a copy of the book for themselves or, or several copies for their team members, is there anything else that they ought to know about who this book is for and what they're going to get out of it that you would want them to know? This book is for anybody who wants to be a leader. And, and leadership is hard, period. And, you know, we tend to make, we can make some unpopular decisions. That's okay. Oh, because, you know, people look at it, oh, he made a mistake or she made a mistake. In improv, that's called a learning moment. In improv, that's called a gift. In improv, we don't we don't have mistakes. We have happy accidents because <laughs> we because we learn from them. So it, it's it's really a big change in your mindset on your leadership style. Or you might be in this kind of servant leadership mode and pick this up and go, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Here, let me try this or let me try that. But I will say that the, I, I, somebody asked me once, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> I didn't know how to answer that question. And they said, one bite at a time. I went, oh. So as you're reading this book, don't, don't try to consume improv leadership all in one gulp because it, will, it will be, won't be that great of an experience and you'll never try it again. Pick something out that you want to work on and focus on that. And also, I, I've got... I have these wristbands and I, I wear this every day and I'm showing it on the camera and it's just a yes. And when I do a presentation, I wear French cuff shirts, not because I think they're cool, because I got these cool cufflinks that say yes. And when I, <laughs> when I first started eating this elephant one bite at a time, I had index cards in my, in my bathroom, in my car, in my office I said, yes. And yes. And yes. And yes. And so I could start to begin to consume that information and put it as part of my DNA and just kept moving through it. Now, I've been doing this for over 20 some ideas. I do fall off the wagon. Every now and then I'll, but no, oh God, okay, Pete, stop. <laughs> but I'm able to jump back on the wagon rather quickly and just take your time with it. It's, and, and contact me, Peter at PeterMargaritas.com. Uh, if you have any questions or anything about this or application of, of one of these exercises or, or want to share a story, love to hear from you. Absolutely. And this book is absolutely remarkable. I want to congratulate you on everything that you've achieved and the hard work that you put into this. I know that the that you really put a lot of other people, your readers um, and your stakeholders first um, every day when you got up and, and got back to the desk and, and worked um, on, on this book. It's absolutely remarkable. It was my honor to work with you uh, on this book. And I look forward to seeing your continued success. Tell your listeners how they can find themselves a copy. Well, first, Kate, you are the publisher extraordinaire. Uh, I, you, <laughs> you, you, you think I work hard? Uh, you, you outwork me in so many different ways. It, it, it was, it was an absolute pleasure uh, to write to write this book and have you and your new trusty sidekick, Mr. George Stevens, who is yeah. a, who is a graphic artist extraordinaire as well. The, the book is available at Amazon or any book retailer out there. Uh, and paperback, the e the ebook is out there on Kindle, uh, I, I believe, and other platforms as well. So it's easy to find. 
Uh, and the best way to find it is use this URL, offscriptimprov.com. And they'll take, redirect you straight to the Amazon page that has the book and all the information about it. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. There will be an audio book coming out sometime in the spring of 2022. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv by Peter Margaritas, his third book. Learn more at www.offscriptimprov.com. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. This was a blast. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.